The best innovation comes from seemingly unrelated places. Welcome to Not My Business, where we will explore how art, parenting, therapy, sex, comedy, and more have nothing and everything to do with business leadership and innovation. I'm Josh Ramsey, your host. Thanks for joining me. Today, we're here to talk about parenting. It's just about Father's Day, and Jimmy is a dad of three. Jimmy is a Harvard MBA grad, a commercial real estate executive, a civic leader, and so much more. He's had a tough life, and he's come out of his difficulty with a unique perspective that balances thoughtfulness, intentionality, and action. Well, thanks for joining me today, Jimmy. I'm so glad to get some time with you. Thanks, Josh. This is... um unexpected, but uh, I was really excited to hear from you and hear about your new podcast and everything that you're doing. And when I get a call from you, I always pick up. So thank you very much for reaching out. Yeah. Well, I know you're uh, kind of right now in between an RV and the floor of your sister-in-law's house. I'd love to kind of hear what you're up to at the moment. I transitioned out of a career end of April. And here we are sitting uh, on June 3rd and I'm in the middle of a three week journey. So we are in Denver for a week. We are in Utah for a week in an RV. And then we're in a mountain house for a week in, uh, the Rockies, the Rocky mountains, West of Denver. So yeah, this is great. And, you know, a lot of family time and, um, you know, very close parenting over these three weeks, which is great. uh, Just something that you don't normally have, but it's also very fluid. So yes, I'm sitting on the floor chatting with you and um, trying to get some peace and quiet for an hour or so. That's great. I um, I saw your wife, Lisa, post on Instagram when you announced to your kids the yeah. that you were going to get an RV and go on this road trip and how everybody was like blowing up. It's, it's like such a great idea, I think, to take you know, use the best in this moment of what's going on with coronavirus and uh, everything else for you guys to say, how can we, how can we turn this around into something that everybody can enjoy? Right. Yeah. I think um, maybe throughout my life, you know, I think um, I've always tried to look at the bright side, you know, glass half yeah. full, but the RV thing, believe it or not. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, to some people that may not seem fun or glamorous but to my kids they have been dying they're obsessed with <laughs> rvs you know recreational vehicles and so we've looked at all sorts of varieties and campers they want me to buy one etc cetera, etc cetera. they wanted a, a barbie camper you know would yeah. really wanted that for christmas um we've been tenting out at our home in dallas in the backyard and so they really really wanted one and we for a long time, we resisted, but uh, yeah, we unveiled the surprise, and and literally one of my kids was bawling, uh, like in uh, tears. That's how excited they were about yeah. this, you know, you know, simple trip, right? RV trip. Yeah. So I think you know, you and I have talked some about um, what I'm trying to work on here. This is uh, my goal in these conversations is to really dig into. I've found personally that so much of my growth in business and leadership and innovation has come from exploring things that have nothing to do with quote unquote business leadership and innovation. Right. And, um, for me, one that I've seen a lot of patterns in for myself as a dad, um, is in parenting and how there's so many correlations to, uh, my decisions as a father, um, and what, what I can do as a business leader, and so, you know, today, 
I, I just, I'm so glad to get to sit and talk with you. I know you've got three kids and uh, I, I, you have such a successful career, obviously. And I, I think more than anything else today in this conversation, I wanted to spend some time digging into your philosophies of parenting and what does that look like in, in kind of some practical ways and stories. Um, so I'd love to, you know, hear from you on, you know, as a dad of three kids, young kids, um, what are some of the principles that you live by as a parent? Yeah, I, I love that, um, what you're trying to do. And I think there are so many parallels. One thing I've been thinking a lot that connects between the two worlds is, you know, this idea of bootstrapping. And so we think mm. about that a lot with startups. You know, there's this book, $100 Startup, where mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, it's better and many times to be bootstrapped, to actually start really lean, you know, to cut yeah. it down to the core, uh, an essence of what you're trying to do, start really simple, you know, and then build mm -hmm. upon the complexity, build upon funding, um, et cetera. And so I've been thinking about that in context of my kids and what type of environment and household I want to raise them in. And um, I've been talking to my wife a lot about this, but I really do believe that um, bootstrapping child rearing can be a good idea. And what I mean by yeah. that is that, you know, many of us get in this state where we always want to give our kids everything. Um, yeah. That includes the food and the shelter and all that stuff. But then it's the layer and the luxuries on top of that, you know, mm -hmm. the vacations, the um, technology, the excess of clothes, the cars, you know, all this stuff. And what that does is I think it really um, adds a lot of fat, you know, to um, the experience of growing up and children yeah. get so complacent and they get so used to all the comforts. They don't know what it's like to be bootstrapped, to really struggle, to have some uh, perseverance and grit, you know, and I think those are really valuable qualities. And, you know, it's always a delicate balance where, you know, you grow up, um, one way and you want to give your children a better future. And so you feel like you're doing the right thing, but you know, you right. actually, you know, could be handicapping your kids. So I think um, yeah. being really cognizant of that and trying to give our kids what they need while also, you know, giving them a glimpse of what it's like to struggle a bit is something that we always think about and that we always um, are trying to, you know, trying to convey to our kids. And there's this woman um, professor actually at Dartmouth, Angela Duckworth, she wrote a yeah. whole book about grit and perseverance and why it's so important right. to think about that when we raise our kids. And when I say that, that's collectively when we raise our kids. Um, Cause you know, you read all those these stories about like the, the value of overcoming obstacles and leadership in many ways is how you respond in times of obstacle and crisis, you know? And uh, mm -hmm. so that's a huge one for me, huge one, just the idea of, building that bootstrapping um, your, yeah. your childhood and uh, building grit. I can hear it in, in what you're saying. I think it's been a struggle, right? There's these things that you say, I didn't have this as a kid, so I want to give right. this to my kids. Um, but you can see so many studies of successful parents that have given their children so many things that ends up being such a detriment yep. to the child, right? Now, like you're saying about, you know, Angela Duckworth's work. Just a couple of weeks ago, my kids 
my son wants to get money to get a Nintendo Switch, and he just keeps asking me to buy it. And I'm like, well, how are you going to, how much do they cost? And he has mm-hmm. to do the research. Oh, it's $350. And I'm like, well, I'll pay you a dollar to like move these brick pavers down the driveway. Every brick you put, you know, I'll give you a dollar. And, uh, and he's, you know, after 15 bricks or, you know, it just, he realizes this is a lot of work. And then he tries to sell his stuff in the middle of the, like at the edge of the street. Um, but these are things where I'm, I'm watching my kids struggle and they're like, dad, why don't you just, you know, I know you have $350. Why don't you just get it for me? Yeah. I mean, I, I really, that really resonates with me. I think anything you can do to, you know, build that, um, that value, that persistence, that, that patience, delayed gratification in kids is great. I mean, even if, you know, you have that, obviously like that, that, that money sitting aside, uh, you know, ready to go. It doesn't mean you have to hand it over right away. You know, I think it, kids build a lot of life lessons to take away a lot from, from those types of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kudos to you. It's so hard to, as a parent, observe mm-hmm. the struggle you see your kids struggle and you want to step in and yep. solve it for them, but they don't learn anything yep. when you do that. Yeah. I and mean, I think there's a lot of unintended, but beautiful um, benefits for going through a process like that. I mean, think of how much more value that Nintendo set will have to your child when he's earned it, you know, yeah. he'll take care of it. He will cherish it and maybe he'll pass it on to, you know, a friend or a, even his yeah. own kids. You know, I think it has a lot more meaning than yeah. if somebody just handed you a Nintendo set. Of course, you'll still love it, enjoy it, and play it. Right. But, you know, you just you might just throw it away right. after a while and go on to the next new thing. Um, but if, if you struggle yeah. to get that thing, right. it, it takes on a different level. I mean, I always, um, you know, also come back to this other principle and concept of mine around, you know, saving and investing and stuff like that. If you inherited a million dollars, um, that's great. You know, you inherited a million dollars. Um, you're in a great spot and, you know, many people can't say that, but if you earned and saved and grew a million dollars over 15 to 20 years, think of how much different that, that is to you. Right. Um, and how much more carefully you steward that money maybe for yourself or your children. So, uh, you know, I think Mm-hmm. You'll take that for what you will, but I think there's a lot of uh, really valuable benefit. And so those two things that we talked about, the building of grit and perseverance and, um, you know, kind of putting our children in diverse settings, they actually, there's some, there, there's some intersection between those two. And I think um, if I right. feel like if more kids experience those two things, they would become better adults and better better you know citizens and, and contribute to a better society mm-hmm. another one i'll mention yeah. and then we can go take it wherever from here but another one <laughs> that, that i really really want to convey and get across is that you know the value of um just diversity and um awareness of people of different races and social economic um backgrounds so um you know, we're sitting here in June and just for context for people listening, you know, you could be listening to this months out or whatnot, but we are right in the middle of COVID-19, right? Um, some cities and states have experienced peaks. Some are still yet to experience a peak. Some may have a second peak. And we're also in the middle of racial unrest. Um, 
Yeah. There was a killing of a black man in Minnesota by a white police officer. And um, the George Floyd killing um, created lots of protests, um, both violent and nonviolent protests all throughout many cities. And so as I think about my kids and the world they're living in, it's really important for me uh, to have them experience and know what it's like to have friends, acquaintances, classmates, neighbors um, that are different from them. Yeah. Different from them in terms of mm-hmm. the color of their skin, but also whether their parents graduated from college, whether they're high income or low income, whether they're handicapped or not. I mean, these are all really crucial. And I, you know, it makes me really sad because when I think about how many kids are growing up today, we as a society, and I say this kind of broadly, but American society, we've, we've really self-segregated ourselves and our kids. Um, suburbs, yeah. as you know, have gotten really popular throughout mm-hmm. all this, you know, many cities. And we think we're doing, we're doing our kids a, a service by, you know, putting them around other kids, uh, that are upper middle income or whatnot that, um, in suburban homes that are secluded, that have on, you know, enclaves and cuddle sacks and all of that stuff. But I think that's a disservice. Um, they're, they're growing up with yeah. a particular cohort of people. And I think that's unfortunate. And it makes me sad because I just wonder if things are getting better or worse for our next generation. And they're not going to get better if we're cocooning our kids, you know, and I have that same issue in some respects for, for people that, uh, you know, self-select into, let's say, you know, uh, very elite private schools. And I was one of those people. Um, right. And, and this is a big decision that we made for our own family. But, you know, it's really hard. It's a very sensitive topic, you know. And I, I know people that get super sensitive mm-hmm. when you start talking about schools because that's a personal decision. And people are spending lots of money to send their kids to these right. schools. But, you know, it, are we doing our kids a favor or, or, or a disservice by self-segregating them into uh, schools where, you know, the tuition is twenty to $30,000 a year? I mean, think about that, the types of people. And of course, maybe they're scholarship kids and whatnot. But by and large, I mean, that's a very specific segment of society. And by self-segregating your kids there, they're not seeing, you know, <laughs> the other 80% of society. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that's, that's right. a big thing for us, for, right. for me and for my wife and for how we're trying to raise our kids. We live in Oaklawn, um, which is just north of downtown. You know, there are not many families there are some more and more families, but um, generally, there are not many families that choose to settle there. Um, but we have, and we like it, and we can walk to places, and you know, stuff happens all around us. It's an urban environment, you know. Literally, there's there's um, there was some looting and stuff like that, just basically a mile, maybe a mile and a half away. Um, Parkland is just down the street, which is the big Dallas County Hospital. Um, there's a government housing, um, just a, a little bit about a half a mile away we can walk there from our house but um while we have been living there i think this was maybe right before we had kids there was a woman unfortunately that got attacked by a homeless man and unfortunately she was she was raped um and she was left for dead behind a dumpster off maple you know this is really close to us um and so we were really affected by that we were just about to have some kids and we were terrified you know like 
geez, do we want to, do we want to stay mm, here? Like, yeah, maybe we should pack up and move 30 miles North. You yeah. know, like this is, this is insane, right. you know? Uh, right. But, you know, again, like, could that happen in Highland Park? Could that happen in the wealthiest suburbs? Um, maybe the chances are different, but it could still happen anywhere, you know? And then like, we'd want to try to control our full environment and all the risk and stuff like that. But uh, for me, it's one, you, you can't always control everything you want to put yourself in in a good situation um but eventually our kids will all grow up and they're gonna you know if they want to move to new york to pursue a theater career like you know they'll be in a big urban city and if they only know what life is like in the suburbs or you know I, i'm picking a lot on the suburbs and i don't mean to but if they only yeah. know life because we have many <laughs> friends that live there, but you know, if they only know life in a particular context and they don't know what this broader, you know, world is like around them, um, are you really putting your your kids up for the best chance of success? So, you know, we think about a lot about this stuff, but yeah, it's it's hard because there's no right answer, and you know, uh, we all try our best, but um, for us, you know, we want our kids to see everything, not just one you know, one glimpse of reality. Would you mind walking me through um, just a little bit more about your background and your family life growing up and how that's developed you into the parent you are today? Sure. Um, so I'll get a little personal here because I think that uh, we all personally and collectively learn and develop a lot by, by just being more open and vulnerable. But, you know, my parents came to this country in 1975. They were they were immigrants but more importantly they were refugees and um they came after the vietnam war as the country was falling apart and it was turning from basically a free society to a communist society so um they escaped and you know were boat people and ended up in the u.s uh, that was in 1975 i was born in 1980 so just five years after but in between that my my sister was born so my sister was first and um my twin brother and I, I have a twin running out there in, in the world in Houston, Texas. His name is Johnny Tran. And so uh, we came along next. So technically, I'm a twin, but uh, I'm kind of the middle in between my older sister and my twin brother. So we grew up in Houston. And, you know, just so quickly after my parents came with basically limited credentials and, uh, you know, they really bootstrapped it, right? <laughs> Think about that. Uh, just different jobs and whatnot. My mom ended up working for the U.S. Postal Service, as did my dad. Uh, so you know, we turned out middle class and whatnot, which was which was great. And so I never really, um, you know, had to struggle in terms of food or having a roof over my head and and whatnot, which I'm very thankful for because others, as you know, do have to struggle with that type of environment in in low income communities and whatnot. But you know, looking back at my childhood. Um, I can't say that I had a great, great childhood. I mean, I had what I needed, but there was a lot of dysfunction in our household. And I'm sharing this in this podcast because I think it's developed me as who I am as a father and as a, who I want to be as a father. Um, but, you know, my yeah. dad was really never the type of dad that I thought I needed. He was not the type of dad that I thought I wanted. And, um, you know, he put a lot of strain and stress in our household. So, uh, you know, yeah. uh, without getting too crazy personal, um, 
you know, there were periods that he had to leave. My sister had to, in, you know, leave, and and uh, she ended up finishing school in in, a, in my grandparents' house. So, uh, and then my dad left his job at the postal service and tried to start these various businesses. Pulled my mom into that, and so my brother and I were kind of left to fend for our own devices. We were, if I don't know if you've heard the term yeah. latchkey kids, but you know, for stretches during, right? You know, we were thirteen and up, but stretches during middle school and high school. We were kind of home alone. They bought business a business on the other side of town, and it was so far away that they had to rent an apartment close to the business. They had a grocery store and then dry cleaners and whatnot, but it was an hour plus away. So we kind of stayed at home by ourselves. Um, yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> God, I mean, I just think back, and it could have turned out a lot differently. But my brother is very successful, right? Uh, and and um, is a father now as well. Um, but you know, to to put a long story short, you know, my my dad um, just put a lot of strain and emotional stress on our um, family situation. He was just really uh, unaware of his surroundings. He, you know, just to give you one little glimpse, um, Father's Day is coming up. I think it's June twenty first this year. Right. Father's Day is always really tough for me. I'm a father of three now, and. Um, you know, obviously I celebrate Father's Day with my kids, but I never really celebrated Father's Day with my dad. And he never really wanted to celebrate Father's Day. It was the oddest thing. One, he's, you know, he's kind of bridging between uh, two different worlds. And so, they, you know, there wasn't really a Father's Day technically uh, in Asia where he was born and grew up. But I remember, of course, you know, it's Father's Day, right? <laughs> There's commercials there. Right. You, know, you can't, you have to be totally you know, unaware. Um, and of course he, he could read and write, um, after, you know, learning in the U S but, you know, I would, I would give him a card or wish him a happy father's day. And he, he would like ignore it. Um, and he, it, it had no meaning mm. to him and he, you know, he didn't value that. Um, so, you know, that's the type of environment that I grew up in and, and who I am today is in some ways in direct contrast, I think to how I experienced fatherhood and how, you know, I, yeah. uh, you, you know, how I was, you know, uh, a, a son to, to someone who I didn't think provided what I needed. So what I'm trying to do as a father is mm. counteract, counterbalance, and really um, do the exact opposite. You know, as, as they say, all sorts of things, depression, alcoholism, uh, divorce, things can pass down from generation to generation, right? That's either a learned behavior right. or yeah. some innate thing in it. I don't know, but it happens a lot. Yeah. And so for me, yeah. you can, that's the easy pattern to fall into. But I also see others, and maybe right. this is the minority, but you can also see people take the exact 180 from you know a, a life or a experience mm -hmm. that they endured uh you know growing up so for me what i'm trying to do is pivot 180 and so uh you know my approach to yeah. fatherhood is is what i wanted what i needed and what i did not have so uh yeah that's you know yeah that's probably way too much but that's kind of what, what i grew up with no i think it's i mean yeah thank you for sharing that it's i mean i think for all of us right as um as children we're looking for love, safety, and belonging. 
And so much of that we find in our parents, right? And um, if you don't, if you don't get that, I guess I, I would love to hear if you if you would like to share. Are there ways that you have gone through um, healing that for yourself, um, kind of self parenting? I guess I would say um, so that you could get beyond that to to be to be in the space that you are now as a father to your own children. Sure, I mean. Um a great question um i'll tell you i'll point to a couple of examples um one is that i've been fortunate to have other other figures in my life um yeah my mom is phenomenal and you know she and many people grow up in single parent households so i'm not not um your unicorn here but she really stepped in and doubled down and did you know, after my parents got divorced, um, she had a really tough time, but she was always there for for us yeah. financially, emotionally, um, you know, all of the above. So that's been huge. And I'm yeah. really thankful for what I have versus mm. what I don't have. Uh, secondly, you know, I think right. um, spiritual and religious, um, you know, I, I've become more religious over time. Yeah, I've become more spiritual over time. I've meditated and done yoga and part of that has helped me mm-hmm. let go of harboring, you know, resentment or any sort of ill will or anything like that. Um, yeah. You know, like yeah. I still communicate with my dad. He still sends me um, belligerent text messages and calls me and blames me for the past. So uh, wow. I, and, and, you know, part of me just does not uh-huh. want to respond or answer because it, it ruins my day or ruins my week, but you know, we have, we all have one mm. dad, biological dad and one biological mom. And that's the cards we're dealt with. And mm-hmm. if you did not end up well on that birth lottery, um, it's unfortunate, but that's the life you have, you, you know, that's that, those are the cards you, you're dealt with. So how do you respond? Um, yeah, but spiritual, religious and sort of meditation to allow me to just let go of that, weight and that burden has been huge and i'm not not completely yeah. over it but you know we're all kind of we're all kind of um, yeah wading through our own issues but you know that's been another another right. big one for me and um yeah i think the last one is uh, besides my mom i've been very fortunate to have other male father figures if you will even my father-in-law now mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather before he passed, I just went to his, um, to visit his grave and, uh, you know, went to the cemetery the other day here in Denver where I'm at, where, where my grandfather is buried. But, you know, I've been fortunate and you can see, or you can have mentors out there. Even my, it sounds really odd, but my boss, um, at my last, uh, before I left my job, yeah. um, was a, was a really good guy. He just really cared about people. Mm. This is outside of work and uh, professional things. But, you know, he would share book recommendations with me and he would just check in and make sure that the uh, the family and the kids were good. And, you know, that's what your father would do, right? If, yeah. Uh, uh, so anyways, right. I, I looked for it right. and, and found it in other ways. This is probably a great time to kind of talk through what are some of those examples of ways that you are doing that now as a sure. father? Um, well, 
I try to be as present as I can. Um, and honestly, yeah. I think being a, a husband and a father and a good husband and father to me is um, central to who, who I am and who I want to be. And so I've tried to align, yeah. honestly, my, uh, my life around that and made some really tough decisions career-wise or uh, other things and maybe sacrificed some things that I thought were, were important. Because I didn't want to, uh, you know, to put that as a side or um, put that on the back burner. So I think, you know, what, what that means to me is um, have that as the big rock, as they say, to use this analogy. And then yeah. the other rocks in the sand can fill in around that. But if you don't make that the first thing in the vase, you know, you fill in the sand and the little rocks first. Mm -hmm. By the time you try to jam that big rock in there, it's not right. going to fit. You know, so um, I've put my kids mm -hmm. in my role as a as a father and who, the father I want to be at the center, and that means um, having the time and the mm. flexibility. You know, to and this is a little bit of a luxury, but to um, take them to midweek, uh, midday tennis lessons, to um, be the one enrolling yeah. them for camps. You know, like there's no way in um, there's no way in hell my dad would do any of that <laughs> growing up, excuse my French, but mm, you know, that's mm -hmm. the stuff that I'm doing now for my kids and I'm showing up for them in ways yeah. that I never okay. saw growing up. So that's been really big for me. Um, and you know, the, on the, the idea of grit and perseverance, this doesn't seem like I'm, sh uh, this seems counterintuitive in a way, but you know, we made a really tough decision to enroll our kids in an urban public school. Um, and I had really mm -hmm. tough internal battles with that. Um, but anyways, I, I'm showing up for them by being really active and trying to be a local advocate and leader for that school and try to uh, advance that school. At the same time, my, my kids are in there and experiencing that school. Um, and it's a new right. school. It's a choice school, which means basically it doesn't have t traditional boundaries, but it's an opt-in kind of application-based school. But, you know, it's right in the center of an urban area, mixed race, mixed social, economic, all of those things. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm really trying to be cognizant about um, being there for that school and for them as they're experiencing that really different environment. So it seems like um, you're you are trying as a dad to not only be present and active in the everyday moments, uh, but also to be in that strategic level of intentionality, right? Of uh, I'm not going to just let life happen to us. I'm going to be very intentional about the decisions I make on what what school you're involved in, how we're going to spend our time together. Um, how I, I think that 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 all exemplifies what you're saying of parent parenting and being a husband as a big as the big rock in your life, right? Because um, a lot of a lot of people I know, right, and and myself included, at times it it can become a reactive yeah. situation with parenting that you know I'm just responding, I'm just reacting to what's happening to us. And I know that there are times in all of our lives where that is necessary. Um, but I think that um, I, I love hearing that from you that, you know, this is something I really want to put thought and intention behind because this is how much I right. care about and it. And I can give you um, maybe two 
specific examples that you've triggered. So yeah, you know, I'm really, as you are, passionate about um, civic leadership and engagement um, here locally. So, you know, as I made that shift from private to public, I'm going to, you know, I've tried to fuse um, that decision in their experience in an urban public school with my desire to engage civically and to make a difference. So mm-hmm. what that means is that, you know, as we moved over to the school, um, my wife and I helped start the PTA. There wasn't a PTA at this school. Um, then we started a, an outside yeah. foundation um, called Friends of PL Prep. The school is called PL Preparatory. Um, so, you know, you can go to friends, um, friendsofplprep.org, for instance, and we set that up and you can donate funds to help support the school. It's a public school, but we could, we're raising money on the side to do things to enhance the school. So uh, I'm the board chair mm-hmm. of Friends of PL Prep. Um, you know, DISD is undergoing a big bond program. This is Dallas um, ISD. And so we'll vote, all of us that live in Dallas um, County, at least, will vote on a big bond program that's likely going to be, you know, billions of dollars. But uh, I'm on the DISD 2020 bond committee. And so we are working on that proposal um, that voters will see in November. So, you know, I we've I've tried to basically fuse these interests into my experience mm-hmm. raising my kids, as well as you know giving them the experience that I think will help make them more resilient and more um, more gritty and uh, and and give them you know yeah. the best the, you know the best overall um, um, experience. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And and you were telling me the other day about um, some kind of at the at the tactical level with your kids, right? That you guys have kind of these rituals and traditions um, in the daily life. I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, what is that sure. like for you? You know, um, there's been a lot of research around um, the value of just some face to face dinner time family time. And I know it's hard. I mean, I have a yeah. six and a four, so you, you only get so much yeah. uh, air time and, and uh, attention span. So uh, this is not always easy, but we have made it a really uh, conscious effort to basically sit down all kids and other adults, if there are any currently with us and just look each kid in the eye. And what uh, we do personally is we do a rose and a thorn. And so we allow uh, each kid to go around one at a time and talk through the roses and the thorns um, that came up for them that day. And it's a beautiful thing. Sometimes Mm -hmm. there's one rose and zero thorns. Sometimes there's zero roses and um, three thorns. Mm. And it's day by day, but you also pick up on trends and on things over time that that kids even young kids are working through and going you know that are they're experiencing whether that's Mm -hmm. like a middle child Mm -hmm. syndrome or some confidence issue that a kid may either innately or or through learned behavior have developed but yeah we've done that that has been really um really great for our family um we also uh, and people with multiple kids might uh, might like this, but uh, we have kind of the kid of the day. So, you know, uh, today is Jordan's yeah. day, um, our youngest. So it's his day. 
if we go somewhere, he gets uh-huh. to have the thing first. If uh, he gets to, you know, get in the car first, he gets to pick the plate he wants or whatever the thing is, but it's his day. And then tomorrow will be another kid's day. And then yeah, you switch wow. around like, so every three days okay. um, for uh-huh. us, at least it'll be your day. But that has helped a lot with um, infighting and it's helped us, the kids support one another and they're like, oh, Jordan, it's your day today, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, so that's been huh. really helpful. That's great. I, I can see that you're you're very intentional about all of these things. That it's um it's about exposure and and some risk, but not being That's reckless. Right. Jimmy, thank you so much for your time today. That was amazing. Oh man, I hope you got something out of this. There are so many lessons that you can translate into your business and life. Here are a few that I'm taking away. One, I think kids and adults value what they have to work for. So don't just give everything to them, right? It's inherent in us to need to struggle and earn what we achieve. So remember that as a business leader. People need the right amount of challenge to get into their most productive state. And also, listening to how Jimmy's boss has been a father-like figure to him gave me goosebumps. If you're listening to this right now, there is someone in your life that's looking up to you as a parent-like figure. You have a chance to love them and be proud of them and check in on them. Help them feel like they belong. I'd like to close today by reading something from Khalil Gibran on parenting. Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you, for life goes not backward or Terry's with yesterday. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. There will be more episodes coming shortly, so stay tuned. And if you enjoyed this, please leave a review. I'll talk to you soon.